pushes way up the racetrack, and now here comes Jancic. Jancic goes by Query, and he goes by Inman. Burnell gets a great run, another three wide for the race lead. It's going to drag race off of turn four. Shepard is there, but it's Larry White at the line. Still going to be Pamworth, and they make contact. Britton has broken the race car. AJ Slideways. Alan Johnson wins. Whether you hug the infield tires or rip the cushion, you found the fastest dirt track podcast in motorsports. Welcome to Where Legends Are Made, the official podcast of Land of Legends Raceway. Here's Stephen and Brad Ovens. Welcome in, fans, to this week's episode of Where Legends Are Made, the official podcast of the Land of Legends Raceway. My name is Steve Ovens, and uh, it's going to be a quick podcast this week as we've got a, a sit-down interview with most recent uh, opening night winner for the Speed Connection Sportsman, Carl Comfort. He picked up the win on opening night on April 30th. We had an opportunity to sit down with Carl and talk about his history in racing, uh, what took him away from racing at the Land of Legends, and, and eventually what brought him back to racing at the Land of Legends Raceway. And he got it uh, his season here in 2022, off to a great start. It was a great interview, and I, I know a lot of people have been waiting to hear this one, and uh, I appreciate everybody's patience in uh, in allowing uh, me to, to have some time to get this put together and, and uh, put it together the right way. But with that being said, a little bit shorter version of the podcast this week, so enjoy this week's A-Main interview with Carl Comfort. By the grace of God and 800 horsepower, it's time for the A-Main Interview of the Week. That's right. It's this week's A-Main Interview of the Week, and we're going to talk to a driver who uh, picked up a, a big win this past Saturday in, in, in what really is a, a return to Land of Legends Raceway, a place that he knows well. It was a very, very popular win on Saturday night. Carl Comfort joining us on Where Legends Are Made, and uh, Carl... Uh, first off, man, congratulations, man. What a what a big night on Saturday. Uh, how how has it been kind of processing? Uh, you know, has it has it kind of sunk in since Saturday night? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it, it was just amazing. And, you know, you think back to it and you're like, I can't believe that even happened the first night out like that. It's been a long time since I've been in victory lane at Canadagua. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think for some folks, before we talked about the record books during the race on Saturday night, they they probably may have even thought it had been longer than six years. Um, did it feel longer than six years to you? Uh, yeah, kind of, because it's been so long that, you know, you kind of forget, but it's been such a long career that makes a difference too. But uh, it was uh, unbelievable, that's for sure. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go let's go way back. Let, let's go back to the very beginning. And uh, I, I watched an interview that uh, Doug Elkins did with you uh, recently, and and man, he really did a nice job on that. Asked a lot of a lot of questions, kind of talking about your racing history. And for for some of the Land of Legends Raceway history buffs out there, uh, you know, you brought up you know the name Scott Schrader, and and you know some of the history that you guys talked about was really pretty cool. What was it though? What like what was the very first thing that kind of 
brought you to, to racing at Canada? How did, how did your career start? Was it, was it in sportsman? Uh, yeah, it actually started in, uh, street stocks. I did a couple of years of that, but the, the beginning really was, I was talking to Tom Skabinski Saturday night too, to find out the year when Glenn Donnelly took over in 77. That's when my father worked out there, started working with him on the track. And I was 10 years old and they were having problems with the track and they were out there watering in the evening. Even Glenn was out there and they would get in. Remember the days when they had pickup trucks for Packers and they were driving. He's like, Jimmy, throw your kid in one. And he's like, he's only 10. He goes, I don't care. We got to pack this track in. <laughs> so, well, I'm, I'm driving around there at like 30 miles an hour. If that at 10, those guys are flying around, running in each other, having the time of their lives back in the beginning. And that's really when it started. I didn't know I was going to be a racer then, but that's the first time I started turning laps at Canandaigua. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. It is yeah. crazy to look back at something mm-hmm. like that now, you know, that's, uh, that, that's, that's pretty cool. It's, I love hearing that, you know, how the racing bug got them, you know, I, I know how it got me and, and got my little brother, but man, to, I love hearing everybody's story because everybody's story is different. It's not, you know, it's not always the, well, dad drove, you know, street stocks and dad drove modifieds and that's what I did. You know, like it's, right. I, I love the the diversity of, of how it, how it bites everybody different, but um, you know, so you start out in the, in the street stocks and, and what, uh, what was it that, uh, that was there something that clicked? Did you have some success and say, okay, now it's time to move up. How, how did the progression to sportsman go? Uh, I, I guess in the beginning, I went out in my first street stock race and I got lapped by the field. And I think I ran in a novice class and I had the time of my life. I couldn't wait to get back out there. And I got killed literally by everyone <laughs> else. And then, uh, it was Scott Schrader pushed me into racing. And then he really pushed me in to get a sportsman and just move up and start going from there. And, wow. you know, haven't looked back since really. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking with the interview with Doug, uh, you know, kind of how, you know, as Scott would upgrade his equipment, that would mean that you get to upgrade your equipment because you take over what Scott had. Absolutely. It worked out good for me. You know, I, he would get nice fresh stuff and we get some pretty good equipment for a really discounted price. So it worked out good. And we used to go when we didn't race, we would always go with Scott and help Scott and the rest of the Canada gang guys. So it was a lot of fun back then. It was a lot different than it is now. I kind of missed those days. It was definitely a lot more fun. Sure. You know, uh, I think for the traditional Canada fan, you know, they, they know Scott Schrader, they, they know Scott's story, but, you know, with the with the implementation of us giving away our live video every week, we're starting to attract fans who have never heard of our racetrack before. And so there's, you know, a very good chance that people watching Victory Lane on Saturday night said, man, I, who's who's Scott Schrader? Because it sounds like it's somebody that really meant a lot to this Carl Comfort guy. How would somebody that didn't know Scott Schrader, how, how would you describe him to somebody? Uh, he was definitely a competitor. I mean, when he got in the car, he wanted to make sure he had the best and he would drive hard to get to the front too. There's no doubt about it. And he, he put a lot of time into it and it meant a lot to him and his family. And he liked to have fun also. So we had a lot of fun. Yeah. You, uh, you 
you know, on, on the on the record books at, at Land of Legends, you you've got you know you've got quite a a pile of wins on that list and and two track championships back to back. By the way, um, what were those what were those two years like? I mean, you you guys, it, it seemed like you just you couldn't do any wrong in those two seasons in particular. Yeah, that's right. Because we had uh, Candy Gravel. Doug Litz was our sponsor, and he owned the car. And we had a tremendous, it actually was three years. We lost the title to get three in a row to Justin by, I think, Justin Harris by four points. So we, we were really, at the end of the 90s, we were doing really well in sportsmen, traveling around to big races. And at Canadegua was like our home. I've turned so many lap certs. You know, it's almost unreal. Yeah. Has there, um, you know, it, we, we, t- we just talked about the fact that, you know, in between wins was six years, but was there any years, I'm trying to piece the timeline together a little bit. Was there any years that you stepped away from the sport completely, or have you kind of kept going right along? No, there was a couple times that I stepped away. It was, uh, I took a year off in, uh, 98 and then in like, Oh, four, Oh, five or something. I took a few years off too, a couple years and then came back. So, and, and I also spent, I think, Oh, one, Oh, two, we ran modified for a couple of years, but we just didn't have the budget to be able to run with those guys. And now it's, you know, the budget's even bigger than it was then. Sure. So you may hold on. I'm, I'm piecing this together now. Let, you mean to tell me you took an entire season off of racing and then came back and won two championships, almost three in a row, just like that. That's correct. <laughs> wow. Wow. Talk about getting right back on the bike and riding, huh? That's yeah, awesome. I mean, yeah, I spent, I mean, on top of the years I raced before that, when I was in high school, when my father watered the track, I would go out weeknights and he'd take a night off and I'd water the track. So before I even hit a race car, I used to drive around there in a water truck for many a boring laps. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good stuff, man. Well, let's talk about the, the win on Saturday. Um, man, that was, that was big. And, and I know, you know, from the conversation you had with Doug on, on practice day, you know, you guys kind of, you know, you're, you're looking at, you know, running a couple nights a week, but kind of seeing how things go. I did, was it even on your radar going into Saturday night that what ended up happening was, was, was on your radar and a possibility? Um, well, I didn't know what happened, but I, I knew I always had a chance because, you know, Canada was my place. So I knew I had a chance, but that car is new to us. It's a coil car. So I've never even, I haven't even run that car in a feature until Saturday night. And that's the first feature I've run as a coil car. And, when I drew that one, I was like, you know, I got a real good shot here because when I get out front, that's tough to get by me. I know that on that type of dry track, it was going to be, I definitely thought I could do it. Yeah. You know, and I just couldn't believe it. So you go out there, you're, you're still kind of trying to learn this car and, and you get the win on Saturday, but afterwards, it, how, so how was the car over a 25 lap run where were you happy with it? Do you think that there's still uh, more that you can improve? You know, you know I, the reason I ask this is because uh, one of our street stock stalwarts, uh, Josh Pangrazio, 
he can go out and spank the field by seven seconds and stand there in victory lane and say, well, the car still could be better. So let me ask you that question. You, you, you ran well, you won the feature. Can that car still be better? Absolutely. We weren't, we weren't hundred percent sure if it, cause in the heat race, it was okay, but I knew it had to be better in the feature for us to win. And we talked to uh, Chris Doherty who runs down his son, Jeffrey runs and Chris used to down at outlaw. And he always gives us pointers. Cause you know, he said, this is new to you. You need to have any problems. Call me. And I called him before the feature and talked about some changes and he suggested some stuff and, we did like 90% of it, figured that would be enough to try for this week, and it worked out great. I mean, we could do a little bit more, but the car was really good. That's for sure. Awesome. And, and yeah, it's always good to get help from people who know yeah. more than you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 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 great. That's great. Now, did, um, I, you know, the, I've had a few drivers that I've interviewed lately that you know, have talked about, you know, looking up and, and seeing certain numbers pop up on the, the lap leaderboard. Do, do you glance at the lap leaderboard at all while you're out there? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Cause I try and keep track of who's really making gains on you. If somebody is, you know, they're kind of fighting with somebody else and see, I always watch for us, watch for Paul Guerri. Cause back in the day we used to have a lot of races and I know he's going to run the bottom where I was. And I knew Kane Bristol was fast too, but it seemed like I had a good line and I was fast enough. So I was just trying to keep track of who was where and see if somebody I didn't even know came right up into the top five, then you'd really be wondering how fast they were. We had a restart with four to go in that feature. And what, what are you telling yourself uh, under there? Cause that's, you know, that starts to get to be a little bit of a pressure situation. You're the race leader. There, you know, there's only, uh, you know, you're either going to stay in the lead or, or there's only one way you can go from that point. Uh, what, what are you telling yourself with four to go under that yellow? Well, I was just telling myself to hit my marks. Don't make a mistake. If I don't make a mistake, I'll be fine. But if I get out too far uh, wide in the corner, Kane would probably go under me. So I just had to make sure I kept it down and kept it tight coming off and see what would happen then. Yeah. Then you you take the checkered flag, you get through those four laps just fine. No, nobody even really got under you or was even close enough to really mount a, a charge coming to the checkers. But you take the checkered flag, and then all of a sudden guys start driving up alongside you, you know, giving you a signal. I saw Paul Guerry give you a little shot in the keister on the back stretch. Yeah. Um, and I know you referenced it in victory lane, but uh, you know, for our listeners here on the podcast. You know, what, what did that mean to you to, to have those guys do that? Uh, it, it was great. I mean, that showed a lot of respect that we had for each other. And those guys, you know, they don't want to see me come back there. I used to be a pretty good competitor there. You don't want to see another guy there that might beat you. And they still gave me the respect. And afterwards, a lot of guys came over to our pit, too. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'd probably be remiss if, if I didn't ask you this, but I, I know that for a while um, that you didn't run at Canadagua and, and you talked about your reasons in victory lane. Um, and, and man, I'll tell you that the emotion of that victory lane, like for me as an announcer and somebody that works in, in media with motorsport stuff, 
that's what we do this stuff more, man. Like I love seeing a driver that's not afraid to show just how much it means to win one of these races. Cause they're so damn hard to win. Um, and, and I know, I know you said kind of why you stepped away from running at Canandaigua, but I'm curious to know what it was that, you know, you had the loss in your family and, and that was kind of why you stayed away for a little while, but what was it that re-sparked? What was it that, you know, got you over, over that hump to say, okay, we're going to go back and try this. You know, there, there's a certain level of, um, you know, uh, pain and maybe some sadness that kept us away for a little while, but what was it that brought you back? Uh, mostly it's just kind of, a. You know, that was my thing with my parents and especially my father. And I was like, you know what? I'm missing that not being a Canadagua. That's where I should be. I should go back there. And it feels great to be back there now. There's for a while there, I definitely wouldn't come back. You know, my parents were there to see my last win. My dad was alive then. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, I've accomplished everything I wanted there and I don't need to go back. Now I feel like there's something missing. And it was going to Canadagua where we used to have a lot of fun for many years. Did you go to, to watch it all over those six years or? Uh, no, I guess okay. we went twice at the end of the year to just try and run one of those special races after the point season was over. But last year I watched quite a few features on my phone okay. on Saturday nights while watching whatever else. Yeah. And I think that kind of helped push me over the edge. You know what? I need to go back there. Yeah. Well, so it, it worked out. I absolutely it did. Uh, <laughs> nail a win down on on night number one, and you know we 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 kind of almost got lost in the shuffle of of the emotion of your victory lane and just how real a moment that was. You know what kind of got lost in the shuffle is there's a big race at the end of the year that you're now locked into. So that's, uh, that's kind of the cherry on the top for you guys. Yeah, it is. And Jerry Ayers, you know, it was a big part. We always talk to them and all those guys, and that'll be great to be in that race too. Cause you know, we have a lot of friends after all these years from whether you compete against each other or not, you're still friends at the end of the day. Yeah. Now, does the win on Saturday, does that, is it too early to say, you know, rather that, you know, changes how you look at, you know, well, we're, we're, we're in it now, 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 now we're definitely coming back every week or is it still too early to say that? Yeah, we'll definitely be back the next few weeks and see how well it goes, you know, coming through the pack and everything, but, uh, you know, I missed it so much. I, I didn't realize how much I missed it till I went there and I won that. That's just, you couldn't script the story better than that. I don't think oh. to come out and win that. No, man, that's, that's honestly, that is, that is what makes our sport so cool. It, you know, when, you know, those moments don't happen all the time, but man, when they do that, that is, that's the, that's the, that's why we do it. And, you know, I don't care if you're a driver, a crew guy, a fan, you know, an official, that's, that's why we do this stuff, man. That's what makes this stuff fun, but absolutely. What a, what a great way to, to start off the season. I want to congratulate you on that. Um, and, and, and I don't want to, you know, we, we have such a, such a focus at land of legends on, on the marketing partners, not just 
for us at the track, but for the drivers too, and making sure that everybody's getting the exposure that they need, you know, to, to keep these sponsors coming back and, and keeping our race teams going. Uh, tell us about, you know, the folks that you've guys have got on board this year and uh, have helped uh, get you guys to victory lane on night number one. Yeah, it's uh, Tom and Dar Fox, you know, that they have been with us for six years and they get us with the stuff that we need. And they're just told they're there at the races. They're in your pit area. They support you a hundred percent. And it makes it a lot easier. And all the guys that help on the car, it's just uh, takes a team effort. And we've been together a long time. A lot of the guys that work on the car were here in the beginning. So how did, uh, how'd the celebration go on Saturday? <laughs> it went pretty good. <laughs> uh, even though we're old, we had a good time. <laughs> That's but it, good. Yeah, it was, you know, once I got past the emotion part of it, it was pretty cool. And all those guys, everybody was emotional and had a good time. And, you know, it was almost a disbelief that we came back and it happened like that. I mean, it was totally amazing that something like that could happen. Well, before we get you out of here, I, I've always got a, a couple questions I ask drivers uh, uh, before we, we get them out of their interviews. Um, first question for you is, uh, something that a race fan, even a long time Canadagua fan, something that a race fan might not know about Carl Comfort, something you enjoyed doing outside of racing or, uh, any fun fact outside of racing. Uh, I enjoyed, uh, coaching girls basketball. We okay. had a, yeah, we had an AAU team cause my daughter was into basketball and they ended up coaching kids from Every school in this area, I've coached a bunch of girls in basketball and had a great time doing it. And that kind of filled some of the void on Saturday nights, too, because we had a lot of fun and I could forget about the racetrack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Um, yeah. <clears throat> five laps to go. You've got your choice of being out front or being the guy trying to chase the leader down. You're coming up on lap traffic. Five to go. Where do you want to be? In the lead. I think you showed that on, on Saturday night, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good deal. Good deal. Um, and last question, uh, not on a race night. Guys, you're looking for something to do, going to go out to eat. Favorite place to go out for dinner? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. The, the, my favorite pizza shop is Don Giovanni in New York City. Oh, but- yeah, there you go. Can't get there that often. So then I'm any pizza shop. I always used to go to Pontillo's afterwards after the races. That you're, was always a good one. You're not the first person to tell me that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. All right. Hey, Carl, I appreciate the time uh, to, to join us on the show this week. It was a super popular win on Saturday. And, and I know a lot of uh, our fans are going to enjoy uh you know hearing from you after the win and kind of breaking all that down and 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 for new fans that that we've created here the last couple seasons you know learning a little bit more about these drivers and and kind of you know uh, the the thing I think we do that that is the greatest thing for our fans is kind of getting that peek behind the curtains and and getting under the helmet with some of our drivers to you know kind of explain to our fans all the things that are happening it's you know, it's a lot more than cars just going around in circles and, 
anything we can do to highlight that is, is a great thing for our fans. So I appreciate you taking time out of your night here this week to, uh, to help us make that happen. No problem. I appreciate you having me. That's for sure. All right, folks, there's Carl Comfort. He picked up a big win on Saturday night, gets himself locked into the Gerald Harris Memorial Sportsman Challenge presented by Sterling Lubricants. You'll see him on Saturday night driving the Fox's auto number 10. Be sure to look for him two time sportsman track champion and just added another win to his racing resume. That's our A main interview of the week. Week. My name is Steve Ovens. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the content and and by all means, if you have any suggestions, a driver you'd like to hear from, a driver that you think needs a little bit of spotlight that doesn't get a whole lot of spotlight over the course of a race season, message the Land of Legends Raceway page, send me a private message, uh, send me a tweet at Stephen Ovens on Twitter. Uh, be happy to take any and all of your suggestions uh, to give content that you want to listen to and, and you will enjoy. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on Saturday night as we get ready to go to work. Land of Legends Raceway fans, tune in each and every week of the racing season to Where Legends Are Made, a podcast dedicated to covering the drama, excitement, and hear from the drivers from your favorite dirt track. Stephen Ovens and Brad Ovens walk you through the week that was Where Legends Are Made. Subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts and visit landoflegendspodcast.com. Fans of Land of Legends Raceway and the Where Legends Are Made podcast, We've got a great opportunity for you to feature your business. We have opportunities here to sponsor where legends are made. We have all different features of the podcast. You can pick to be a sponsor of one of our heat races. Maybe you want your business name attached to the top 10 read-offs for the week. Maybe you want your business to be the one that's heard when we play our highlight of the week. Maybe you're a history buff. You want to sponsor heat with three where we talk about this week in Land of Legends Raceway history. Maybe you want to be the A main sponsor. So when we interview our main driver of the week, you want to get your business out in front of that. We've got plenty of opportunities for you to do so, and we can work inside of any budget. And believe me, if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, I don't think my business has the advertising budget to sponsor a podcast, believe me, we can fit inside of anybody's advertising budget. Get your business a little bit of advertising here on where legends are made. Contact us right here on the Land of Legends Raceway Facebook page if you're interested and put your business in front of all of our fans where legends are made.